The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Quite a story, kids. I give my set of gold-plated Elvis spoons to know what makes a guy like Gables tick. Well, that's the way it is today. Everybody sees themselves as a victim. That's like nobody takes responsibility for their actions anymore. Well, I for one take responsibility for mine right now. I got a paper to put to bed. So I can get out of here in time to have a little candlelight dinner with Alice. Night, Perry. Night. Night, Chief. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, February 7th, 2019. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Danielle Metz. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Well, that's the way it is today. Everyone sees themselves as a victim, says Lois Lane from a series that's already several decades old. And of course, Clark Kent responds, no one takes responsibility for their actions anymore. Well, in the era of fake news, victim culture, and the so-called Covington incident, I think that event is so significant that it should become a standard of study in journalism from now to the end of time. And, Danielle, I think that includes Time magazine. (laughs) Indeed. So before we get going, don't forget, you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Subscribe to Just Right on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and, of course, all of our archived broadcasts. So, this is a first, both for Just Right and for us as the father-daughter <laughs> hosting team of Mets and Mets. And I don't know about you, Danielle. And I'm not faced with this choice, but when we solo co-host, you're not going to call me Bob, are you? All right, Dad. Okay, because it's not a secret to anybody. So No, no. I think the last name is pretty much a good tip-off in yeah. the fact well, that I'm, you know, part of the show and yeah. part of the Freedom Party. <laughs> well, I have to start off by saying I was one of those people who completely dismissed what happened at the so-called Covington incident at the Lincoln Memorial, concluding nothing had happened. I woke up one morning and I was listening to local radio here. Mm. Tom McConnell was on the air. And my first assumption was that something on a scale of like a mass shooting or a bombing had occurred because I didn't know what everybody was talking about. It sounded really serious, right? So I kept listening for some kind of clue from the ongoing discussion what the precipitating event was actually about, and I couldn't clue in anything. So I dismissed it. And then when you and Robert Vaughn decided to discuss the issue on your last broadcast of the Danielle Metz Show, which aired last week Wednesday on WBCQ and was released as your podcast this past Sunday, and that was when Robert suggested to me that this is probably the most significant event in terms of the whole fake news, journalism, all the issues we've been talking about, left-wing media, that has come along in a long time because he saw it as a real test tube case. That's interesting because when I consume media a bit differently than you do, Mm -hmm. I have uh, people I subscribe to online. And like you, I had no idea what was going on. And then every time I went on YouTube or checked my inbox for uh, updates for my subscriptions, it was all talking about this Covington issue and the MAGA hat kids. And I'm like, okay, everyone's talking about it. 
And they were talking about it in terms of nothing really happened, but here's everybody lying about it. And I was so shocked at how blatant the lies actually were when you look at the actual incident mm-hmm. itself and versus the, the whole story. Well, I thought what we might do then is kick off the show by listening to how Tom McConnell himself reacted to the event. Now, we have to take into account this, this broadcast was the weekend of, right after, Monday yes. morning. And Tom was on live AM radio, so he doesn't have the luxury that we have of considering an issue for a week or two, and I always point that out. And one of the philosophical lessons that is important behind this is what I've always been talking about on the show, the difference between the primacy of consciousness and the primacy of existence. Basically, that's your left and right divide. And in my experience listening to Tom McConnell, he operates on the primacy of existence. He looks at facts, at least as he understands them. He's still got a lot of the issues incorrect, but he goes with the facts. He doesn't flow with just what he wants to think even though that might permeate some of his opinions because he hasn't got anything else to go on at the time. So let's listen in to how Tom spun this story because I think it really feeds into how a lot of the misunderstandings actually occurred and uh, maybe hear a few of the reactions to him. Okay, let's start there. Sounds good. I thought this was such a fascinating story because I was really interested in, like, how did these two people come face to face? Nathan Phillips is the older indigenous protester. Nick Sandman, as we've come to know, is the young man with the Make America Great Again hat on. And it looks like he's got a bunch of his schoolmates in the background. Okay, how did these two come face to face? What happened? What precipitated it? I was like, well, apparently there's a little more to the story. You know, we saw this video, and here's a guy drumming, and here's someone staring at him, and we got to admit, like, no matter what, that is just, you saw the video, Abby. What a look. Like, people are like, I'd like to punch that smug look off his face. His classmates aren't exactly behaving in a cordial, respectful manner. However, again, 14, 15, 16 years old, we're expecting terrific behavior from our youth today. What happened here? Right? Like, what happened here? Because it looks like a clear, you know, good guy, bad guy. Here is some smug know-it-all teen trying to intimidate some indigenous protester, when in fact, it's much more complex and nuanced than that. That's what I think, anyway. Right? So now, lots of other angles have shown up. And then there's a backstory, right? There is a backstory in terms of, okay, what was going on here? So there was a protest going on. There was an indigenous protest and march going on the same time, right, that there is also the right to life march. And this is where these teens from an all-boys Catholic school from, from Kentucky arrived in Washington to take part in this in this march. Okay. The marches are over. Right? The marches are over. So they go to meet for their bus. When they pass by four dudes, four black men who identify as members of the quote Hebrew Israelites. 
who begins shouting racist slurs at the participants of the Indigenous Peoples Rally. So the kids did not start it. This other group starts it. And then they start yelling at the kids. (laughs) So this group starts yelling at both sides here. And these sides aren't even... There has been no conflict. They're not, you know, marching together. The teens are there to meet their bus. Okay? They're trying to get picked up. All right, the bus is meeting here. At this time, be there, or we'll leave without you. And this other group starts yelling at everyone and using what's described as provocative language. Basically insulting everyone is what provocative language really means. On, On one of the videos, you can hear some of the things they say to the teens and the group and some of the things they say to the Native Americans, you're like, boy, they're equal opportunity offenders. They'll, they'll cast the net over everyone. One group sort of inflames the situation as these teens are waiting for a bus, and that's when things kind of go wrong. And so, the one guy tries to intervene, looking for Peace. As these teens grow in numbers, because more and more of them are arriving to take the buses back, the crowd grows. Some of the men, right, not the Native Americans, some of these idiots start criticizing their hats. They're wearing MAGA hats. In fact, what's remarkable is the number of teens who have on MAGA wear. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats. The men start calling them. This is where it's like, really? Start calling the kids crackers and incest children. What? An hour into the video, all right, the men continue shouting, and the and the students start chanting back their school. I don't know, songs, rallies, this is what we do, spirit chants. So here's a group that gets riled up by this other group. Here's a bunch of students who are just responding to these hateful chants. Here's a guy who's trying to defuse the situation. You know, a native protester who happened to be there and he does nothing wrong. And the students, you know, meanwhile, this other group who inflamed the whole situation with their, quote, confrontational, right? And then the men don't stop and use even worse language. Attack, like the language that the, the, the Hebrew Israelites use was just so bad on everybody. But they're the ones who should get off scot-free. Like we see the moment of a teen and his schoolmates not acting great around the native protester. However, the whole situation was started by someone else, right? Started by someone else. And yet I see, you know, people online, they're known for this sort of behavior. You should just ignore them. If you've never seen that sort of confrontational, antagonizing behavior, and you're just waiting for your bus, what should they have done? Like, that's the part. I'm like, I don't know if this situation could have been avoided, but I guess if the four idiots weren't there, it would have been avoided.
Tom, where were the teachers and where did they get those MAGA hats? We all know they promote a strong reaction and the underlying bigotry it represents. Tom, whenever these situations arise, especially racial ones, I'll switch their gender races around to see if my perspective changes. I did this when my Twitter feed lit up with this story and people started piling on this kid. Being an old indigenous veteran does not excuse his behavior. If the boy approached the old man and banged the drum in his face, I don't think they'd be as sympathetic. No matter how many times or angles I look at it, the boy did nothing wrong. The old man, however, I'm not so sure. He may have had good intentions, but getting in someone's face is universally unacceptable. Again, I don't think he did anything wrong. Right? I think he's seeing a situation that may be getting out of control. He's like, hey, maybe I'll step in here and stop it. But the whole thing started by another group. We take that other group out of it. You know what we have? A bunch of kids milling around for a bus. A bunch of kids milling around for a bus. Tom, screw political correctness. I want to kick their bloody ass all over these steps. Pretty tough going after a bunch of school kids. That makes me sick. Murray, how are you? Hey, Tom, how you doing? I'm well, I'm well. Jeff Rose are as crazy as the rest of them. Now you know, they should have never. You know, we're not going to try and drown these people out with whistles or our our school motto. Yeah, that that's where the that's where the problem started. Okay, the problem started with the four guys insulting everybody. That's where the well, problem started. If you're an adult, yeah, you see that? Are you going to tell your kids, "Oh, let's sing a song"? Right. They should have avoided confrontation, walk away, and this yeah, whole thing could have the- been resolved. And they went to their chaperones, yep. to an adult, yep. and got permission. And that's who I blame. I blame them chaperones for starting this crap. Tim says, Tom, it's called damage controller spin. A bunch of kids with MAGA hats is a problem looking for a place to happen. Doesn't the Bible speak a turn in the other cheek? Where were the teachers? Well, chaperones were there. All right, Jim, what'd you make of this? It's a much more complex picture than, a, than the short video shows. Or I don't remember Trump saying that the media is the enemy of the people. He said fake news is the enemy of the people. And I agree completely. I mean, same with social media. The number of times I've seen this in my social media feed by people who are just happy to be outraged and, and to take a line against a political movement that they disagree with, I think it's concerning. And I mean, clipping a context out of video is completely irresponsible. And well, I gotta I leave mean, it there. So, Danielle, that was basically my introduction to the whole thing. At least I heard the last part of that. And I should add, too, that Tom actually read Nicholas Sandman's statement on the air. Good for him. And made a few comments as well about Nathan Phillips, which he hadn't figured out who this guy really is yet. He was still getting the story that yeah, everybody else hadn't was come pushing. to light till a couple days after that, I believe. That's right. Any thoughts on what you just heard? Well, what, um, especially that last caller, Jim, what he said about the lengths they're willing to go to because orange man bad Trump, right? They hate Trump. It reminded yeah. me of um, a clip I saw of The View, because I will never watch that show in its entirety, <laughs> where Whoopi Goldberg basically asked, why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep rushing to get ahead of the story to make Trump look bad? And Joy Behar basically said, we're just that desperate to get Trump out of office, which is pretty much why the focus of this story seems to be the MAGA hat. I've seen uh, CNN commentators such as Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon saying it, although the kid didn't do anything wrong, he was being disrespectful by wearing the MAGA hat because that basically says, I hate all black people. This is on CNN. Mm -hmm. 
And this is even after everything came out, after they were backpedaling, they were still clinging to the hatred of Trump to sell the narrative. You know, I didn't even know that's what it was all about at first, but when I saw that picture of Nicholas Sandman facing Nathan Phillips, I didn't take anything away from it. It looked very plain and obvious to me. There is a kid, somebody's in his face, banging a drum. That's physical aggression. And the quote for... The black Israelites. Right. They should all be in jail. I agree. And I don't think that what they did is legitimate protest. Ah, it's disgusting. And to me, I think people like that should be removed from the streets. They're a danger to everyone. And yelling at someone does not free speech. No. You know, there are people who want to listen, too. And the person who gets in between is not playing a free speech card in any way, shape, or form. Public property is not there to do whatever the hell you want. No. If you want to shout and protest... Normally you get a permit yeah, for that. Yeah, you have to have a permit for that, right? and there's a reason for that. Because if, if I wanted to go to Lincoln Memorial and do my own protest and find out there's 10 other protest groups there, <laughs> we would have a problem, as we can see here, can't we? Well, what I find interesting is what we were just discussing about the fact that he, with Nathan Phillips being in the, Nicholas's face, that is an act of aggression. Yet what the media took from that was Nicholas Sandman was the aggressor. The Today Show... Uh, Ho said that, don't you find it's just standing there is an act of aggression? Standing your ground is aggressive. And I'm like, in what world? So you're just, what she meant by that is your existence is offensive because you're a white male and you're wearing a MAGA hat. And so just even being there is offensive to her and aggressive. Consider the alternative. What if he had tried to turn his back and run away? That might have ended up worse. Oh, I agree. That would have been then considered all, disrespectful. Right. Then we'd all be standing here arguing, well, why didn't you just stand your ground? Why didn't you just stand there and, you know... Humor him. And humor him instead of running away, or which he couldn't do. He explained perfectly the situation he was in, and that's exactly what I saw. But what was stunning was how all these members of the media who supposedly saw the whole event could possibly accuse Sandman of being the instigator in this in the light of what the other groups were doing. I mean, even Tom McConnell was having a hard time getting around his own listeners who wanted to keep believing that Nicholas Sandman's the bad guy here. Yeah, because he's a teenager. He's, you know, he's yeah, being a teenager. Like he he's being do disrespectful. He didn't and do even anything. Tom was a little hard on the guy because he didn't know the context yeah. yet at that point in time either. So when you look at what the other guys were doing and how nobody said anything about them, Nobody said anything about that black racist group. Nobody said anything about the native racists. And that's what they are. They're all a bunch of racists. Exactly. And, and, and to claim the victim, here we have the reverse. They're literally blaming the victim of outright racism by other groups of being the racist himself for standing still and taking it. This is beyond anything I would ever have thought I'd live to see. So you have Nicholas Sandman. What's his, what, what are his crimes? I'll tell you. Number one, he's white. Yep. Number two, he's male. Number three, he's in the company of males. Number four, he's wearing a MAGA hat. Oh, my God, that's a big one. Number five, he's being peaceful, trying to mind his own business, right? Number six, he's obviously considered to be pro-life because of the march that he yep. went to, right? And then the fact that he went to a March for Life rally. And number seven, there's Donald Trump himself, who's not even there, but is in the backdrop of all of this. That's what it's about. It's all about Donald Trump and the right. And, of course, number eight, and I could go on, he's Catholic, Christian, whatever other anti-leftist values that he represents to the left. And that's what made him 
the target of everyone's anger. Don't forget, the other thing he did was he didn't step down. He didn't back off. He stood his ground. And he didn't accept guilt for what he did, even when he came out afterwards and released that letter and when he was on the Today Show. Mm-hmm. And what he, he said, he was asked, do you think you owe anybody an apology? And he says, as far as standing there, I had every right to do so. And that is correct. He did not apologize, which is what I keep telling everybody to do. Don't apologize when you're in the right. And he didn't. And I applaud him for that. And for someone of his age to be so much more mature than everyone else around And him. everybody kept saying, oh, it's a result of bad parenting. And I'm like, no, he had great parents. Obviously. Yeah, that's a state of mind, that self-composure, to stand there knowing he's being videotaped in a, a well, a rather, let's put it this way, explosive uh, situation, because it could have gone bad. And he kept his cool and made sure everybody else kept their cool. And, and now the story is becoming... Why do we still call them the mainstream media? Ah, very good question. And I don't think they even deserve that very basic identity anymore. There is no such reality as that that was being projected by them. What makes them even qualify as being media? Because, you know, right now here in Canada, we have Trudeau defining who's the media. Yep. Well, that would be the media in Canada, the liars. That's who he would give money to. And the people who are telling the truth, the people on social media, the people who are bringing us the facts. Facts that, by the way, are verifiable against hundreds and hundreds of cameras and accounts. Readily available. There's no way to get around it anymore. And, and, but that's what make, makes this, as Robert said, such a great test tube case. It just identifies the whole nature of the problem. Yeah, it comes down to the truth doesn't matter regardless of how obvious it is given all the other witnesses to the truth. Well, because what they see, what the media sees, is it's not about truth. It's about competing narratives. And then whatever narrative, whichever side of the story you're on, whichever narrative you need, that's what you go with. That's what you run with regardless of the facts. Even the truth is considered just a narrative to these people. Mm -hmm. What I think we're seeing here with the media, this so-called mainstream media, is that because of its point of view being on the left, which is to me irrationalism to begin with, right? that they are driven to a point of incompetence and malice in their reporting. And it's due to all these irrational hatreds and prejudices they have. And so they are operating on what I talked about was called primacy of consciousness, which is basically what you see depends on what you believe. And that is the cognitive test of what makes someone on the left. Ayn Rand used to talk about this. And I I used to dismiss it. I'm thinking, well, okay, people don't really think that way. They don't really (laughs) think that what what they believe is what makes reality. Well, that's Plato, for heaven's sakes. That's Platonic. Plato said that what is real is what's in your mind. Aristotle said, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Aristotle said, no, what's real is what's in front of your eyes, and you've got to start with that. And whatever your theory is, it's got to be consistent with the evidence of your senses. And that is the philosophical divide to this day, and it basically identifies the left and right. So obviously, the news stories that are increasingly proving to be reliable originate from those operating on the primacy of existence, where facts, trump, feelings, and objectivity is the Covington test applied to any news report that would be on the right. Yeah, I thought Robert's idea of having this be a 
test tube study and for future journalism classes was a great idea. It won't be, but we can well, always Well, we can maybe push for that, and we're, we're certainly not going to let it go away because this is the kind of thing people need to be made aware of. They always say if you repeat a lie often enough, it gets believed, so that's why we have to keep repeating the truth. <laughs> that's right. There was someone else that bothered you on Tom McConnell's show, though it wasn't on that day. It was a couple days later. Yeah, good friend Laura Babcock, unfortunately. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) She suffers from Trump derangement syndrome in a way that is hard to fathom. Well, she is the reason why I'm here co-hosting today, because when you sent me the clip of what she said, I said, I want to be on that show again with you. Even though I've already done a show on it, we need to talk about this some more. Well, let's do that. The principal at Power Group Communications, media and PR expert, Laura Babcock, how are you? I'm great, thank you. All right. Uh, The video that captured a lot of attention over the weekend started out as a six-second clip, and then as, you know, longer videos came out showing the hour before and afterwards, and now we have other videos showing other activities... I mean, one of the things that was problematic was probably the rush to judgment by everyone. And it's not just the media, that it's everyone with a social media account projected, in my opinion, their own thoughts on this. Look at that kid and that smirk, right? It's like, I'd like to knock that off his face. But then when we see the context, it gets a little more complicated, a little more nuanced. But still, there we see a great division in terms of how people perceive this event. What are your thoughts on it? I've reviewed all the different footage and, the, and been watching the narrative develop. The idea that just this one Catholic kid decided to be that obnoxious and arrogant to just walk in the face of an Indigenous uh, elder, you know, that that in itself seemed a bit one-sided, of course. But there are two sides to the coin. So what else is going on? What else is making noise? Well, we, we see the tension between these three groups that this one group is known for, uh, for you know, really being very vocal and throwing insults at these kids because they saw the MAGA hats. Right. And then you have the Indigenous March that, you know, wanted the Indigenous leader saw these two groups escalating and wanted to sort of bring some sort of peace to the situation. And then you see the kids in the MAGA hats from the high school surround this Indigenous leader and this one kid, the kid in the video, uh, wouldn't move aside. So, you can look at the bigger context, which I think we all should, and there's a natural instinct to always in our society to rush to judgment on everything uh, and to get our own biases out there. Uh, you can look at all of it, though, and look all around it, and then you look at the fact that the kid's family was smart enough to get a PR expert in right away to sh- tell his side of the story, and he did, he did a big morning show this morning in the U.S. And so people who want to give this kid the benefit of the doubt because maybe they agree with his sentiments or they agree with his hat, now they've got a narrative that they can put out there and they can sort of try to balance the impression people have on this. It doesn't take away, though, at the end of the day, from the look on that kid's face. And he said he was praying that things wouldn't get out of hand while he was doing it. But there's other videos showing him and his colleagues doing tomahawk chops and, you know, and him being involved in some of that, that arrogant jeering. So is he standing there trying to pray? Is he standing there hoping for peace, uh, or is he sneering in a kind of an active, self-satisfied defiance? Body language is louder than words, and so I don't think that his statement, while it gives some context, uh, I don't. I think it's a little too cute. I don't think anyone believes this kid is, is praying for peace. So the reaction that we had was visceral to the body language and that look, which was absolutely a self-satisfied smear. There's no smear. There's no other way to see it. Uh, our eyes don't lie to us. Now, was the video too small? Did we not see the full context? Yeah, that's a risk. We have to realize, are we seeing 
what we're seeing or are we seeing just a small little, I, I always tell my clients, Tom, you know, when you're on camera, all people care about is what they see in that box. They don't see the rest of the room. So you have to absolutely make sure that what's in that box tells your story accurately. But I haven't seen anything, Tom, that would suggest to me that that, that, that kid was not standing in the face of that elder in a, and, and giving him that look, which seems to many of us a disrespectful thing to do. So I hope people who are really angry at this kid do look at the bigger picture and see, okay, there's more going on. But I, but I don't think ultimately it's made me change my conclusion about how disrespectful his particular face and stance was to this indigenous elder. When we see the three groups who are just coincidentally at the same spot together, right? Like none of them really, one one group's getting picked up by buses, the indigenous marchers were there, and then you have these four men who are just saying some of the most awful things. Mm-hmm. Are we putting too much onus and responsibility on the kids who were just there? I mean, they're waiting for their buses. And you know, are we putting? Are we put? Are, are we? Are we making the kids try to be the adults here? When really, I don't think the indigenous protesters did anything wrong. They were just there. But right. the four guys who instigated all of this, no, maybe because they're a fringe group, maybe because this is how provocative they are. The kids didn't know this. But are we putting too much onus on the kids to have the responsibility? Well, I think there's a couple of things at play, right? The U.S. is going through a cultural civil war. And the MAGA hats are absolutely uh, an emblem of one side of that cultural civil war. You know, it is all about Donald Trump, his position on the wall, his position against, uh, you know, immigrants, his position against, I mean, everything that is the Trump administration's views on and his favorite cultural narratives that he likes to put out there, uh, that is encapsulated now in that MAGA hat, that hat uh, means a lot, right? It's a symbol now. Uh, And so you have that hat in the mix and all those kids wearing it, it is going to ratchet up the attention on the kids. Add to the fact, though, that, you know, on the videos you see that tomahawk chop, right? It's a a racist indicator towards those indigenous protesters who were just playing their drums. They weren't hurling any insults. Um, So that's part of the reason. And the number of the kids, too. There's a large group of them. Yeah. Uh, the the other group that started it, the instigated, they should absolutely be called to the carpet for that. They were saying horrible things, and, I, and that's why I see people should look at what they did to instigate all this with the with the crap and the racist stuff they were hurtling at the kids. I have no problem with the kids doing a school chant to kind of drown out these horrible insults from that other group or calling that other group out for what they did. The issue here is that, to your point, the indigenous protesters weren't doing anything wrong. And I guess they were just trying to break up the two groups, and and the, and the kids had a right to say no. We're not going to step aside. We're not going to we're not going to move for anybody. Uh, but where was the adult chaperone? You know, if if you don't want the kids to take the onus, yeah. then at least the school chaperone should have said, listen, it's not up to this kid to stand in the face of this elder. Um, if this is a toxic situation, let's let's get the kids to walk away and move towards their buses. Or or the chaperone could have gotten into the with the elder and with this jeering kid and say, okay, we don't want any trouble here. Let's be respectful. You know, let's live up to our Catholic values and let's move away. So there's a, there's a lot in this that we have to look at, but I think 
the reason it went viral is not just because we understood that kid's face, but also, um, it, you know, America, it was just a, a moment in time to capture the incredible racial tension in America. And Trump's not responsible, obviously, for their racist history and their current racism in the country, but he does ratchet it up, and that hat does say that. And, and I think that's what adds, if you will, the gasoline to the entire situation. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Well, Danielle, I never know what to say after I listen to Laura Babcock. (gasps) Uh, The woman's irrational. She basically said that she watched all the available footage, and then she goes on to repeat the lie that the, quote, indigenous elder was trying to defuse the situation, that the kids in the MAGA hats swarmed around him, and that Nick Salmon wouldn't let him pass. Right. Uh, She says she watched the video. (laughs) Apparently she didn't. And then she specifically said, quote, people who want to give this kid the benefit of the doubt because maybe they agree with his sentiments or they agree with his hat. Now they have a narrative that they can put out there. That shows right there. She doesn't care about the truth. That's the competing narratives. That's all she sees. That's right. It's two narratives and you just, whichever narrative happens to fit whatever your beliefs are. The way she said, it's absolutely a smirk and there's no other way to see it. And then goes on to say, our eyes don't lie to us. I'm like, well, there is another way to see it. When you had the context, you knew exactly how to see it for what it was. An uncomfortable smile when somebody's banging a drum in your face. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> like, that's not hard. She said despite everything else that she saw, there was nothing there that would negate that disrespectful look uh, on Sandman's the... face. And There was no disrespectful no. look. No, it was just a, the uncomfortable look on his face. But interestingly... Laura Babcock is in the PR business, mm-hmm. okay, and which is amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, I won't go there, but <laughs> what's important to her? Apparently the family consulted a PR company yes. before Nicholas Sandman made his official comments, and, I, and I'm thinking, well, wouldn't that be a plus for somebody in her business? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, All you're, this, are so you are you telling us business? that everybody who hires you is full of BS? Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought well. that's kind of odd. And obviously, they're going to do that because the, they have the full force of the media against them. They need, it's basically the PR is like their lawyer in the public opinion square. Mm-hmm. And they need that. And to make sure you don't say the wrong thing in particular, given the scrutiny they're under. And I can't imagine the scrutiny and the hell they must have been going through for that. Well, especially someone his age, too. She's talking about a kid who does who wouldn't even know what the issues were, who these groups were who is raised in a Catholic... An uh, all-boys school, too. And so an all, oh, my shelter. Lord, there's another big sin. But all she says, at the end of the day, all that matters is that look on the face. Yeah, no, the facts don't matter, the truth doesn't matter, just the look on his face, that's all that matters. And then when Tom came back to ask, which is reasonable to me, aren't they putting too much onus on the kids, right? Then what does she say? She doesn't say no or yes. She says, well, you know those MAGA hats... They're a sign of a civil war and racial tension in the country. And I'm going, no, that's not what they are at all. The problem here is that you work on the primacy of consciousness and you're nuts. <laughs> okay, and everybody, that's the problem. The problem is not, the problem is fundamentally left and right. Crazy people against Same. sane people. Yeah. And it's not new to this situation, to this era. It's always been so. That's why the left and right are polarized the way they are. Until we understand that, we'll never figure these things out. She talks about racial tension. Well, there's no racial tension there. The racial tension was caused by the other racist groups, and not just because somebody's white. This, is, this was so egregiously 
non-defensible, everything she said. Yep. I, I was just sitting there with my jaw dropping. And, you know, I saw Tom McConnell trying to ask a reasonable question of an unreasonable person. <laughs> and it reminded me of one of the biblical stories, and it was Pontius Pilate, who was being asked to crucify Christ. And he said, this man has done no wrong, but the crowd wanted to crucify Christ. So he washed his hands of it, right? Yep. This is what that story is about. <laughs> Look at me, Mr. Atheist here, well, no, citing she, all these Christian parables she even as said truths. He should live up to his Catholic values. Like it's a it, the kid. The kid is the one that's supposed to live up to supposedly the higher value. Where the adults, quote unquote, in the room are the ones that are get away scot free. It's, it's almost the bigotry of uh, lowered expectations. Like they don't think that these people, because of their race have to be responsible for their actions. But because he is white, and God forbid a Catholic, and a male, and a MAGA hat wearer, he has to live up to a higher standard. I, th I, could, I could hear it in Tom's voice all the way through that he was finding it difficult himself to believe that everyone around him was not putting the onus on the proper people, right? That yeah. The whole issue was about the wrong side of the issue, basically. The other two groups were not even considered as having to be accountable for their actions. And I think partially that is because we all subtly know that they're not, it's not possible for them to be responsible for that. They their have actions. no agency. Well, Nathan Phillips strikes me as a very emotionally disturbed person. Can we put it that way, <laughs> to put it very mildly? Well, to as, blatantly lie like that, I mean, you have to have some sort of cognitive dissonance going on in your head. That comes back to primacy of consciousness. That's cognitive dissonance yep. right off the back. The world doesn't matter, right? Well, the way everybody seems to be holding uh, Nick Salmon to account where everybody else gets scot-free was very clearly demonstrated by the Today interviews that Savannah Guthrie did with both of them on one day and one on the next. Um, she asked Nicholas Salmon right off the bat, quote, do you feel from this experience that you owe anybody an apology? Do you see your own fault in any way? Okay, take that and then look at the way she introduced Nathan Phillips the next day. Quote, Mr. Phillips, good morning to you. First of all, first question, how are you doing? It's been a whirlwind couple of days for you. You find yourself on the front page of every newspaper. How are you doing? How are you feeling? And that goes right back to the, it's about what he's feeling. And he's being held accountable to what his experience was and whether he has to apologize or not. I find that completely disgusting. No bias there. Move along. Not only that, his feelings were all unreal. Yeah. There was not a single feeling he had that was real, that related to reality. And, and you do not have a right to feel whatever the hell you want, people. Get that stupid idea out of your head. You can't think what you want either. You can't just make it up. You know, reality demands that both your intellect and your emotions be together. These are the basic lessons of living that seem to have been lost en masse. Yes. And I'm, I'm just disgusted at how far we have sunk in this regard. Now, the leftist media operates on a primacy of consciousness, meaning to them that reality is what they choose it to be. And, and you might say, well, that's irrational. And I would say, yes, it is, but that's <laughs> the whole point, okay? Irrationality is the very definition of evil. Since it is not a consequence of mental dysfunction, but is fully and consciously intentional. Mm. This is the part we have to wrap our heads around. That what we're seeing, what the media is doing, the way they're acting, the way they're talking, is intentional. 
It's not a consequence of I'm an idiot and I can't, I'm blind, I can't see what's in front of me, I'm deaf, I can't hear what people are saying, you know, I can't understand the difference between good and evil. Well, it's like that uh, um, Stephen Crowder, when he was speaking about this incident, when CNN's reporting on it, is it they're incompetent or is it malicious? And they said, well, why can't it be both? It seems like they're intentionally going out to ruin people's reputations through either their incompetence and their maliciousness. And like you said, this is a conscious choice to make. Yes, it is. And that's why I think among the first rules of identifying credible journalism, which is one of the lessons we want to be taking away from this whole experience, is to ensure that the reporters who are reporting, who are part of that fourth estate, who are saying that they're part of the mainstream media if they want to be that, Make sure they're operating on the primacy of existence. See, Tom got a lot of things wrong, but I would still trust him as a news source because I know how he thinks. Once he gets the facts, he'll tell them to you. The difference between ignorance and... um, That's right. So he's operating on the primacy of existence. If you show me the facts, I'll change it. And I've done that with Tom. I've changed his mind on the air when I knew he was talking about something incorrect. They got the facts wrong. I think the last time it had something to do with with political tax credits. I had to call him up and say, look, at everybody's talking about it backwards. And Tom turned right around. And, and the whole conversation changed right then and there, as soon as they found out the facts. It's like the Bill Whittle says, he says he's never wrong because whenever he gets finds out what the truth is, he moves towards mm-hmm. the truth. Now, the problem with, fundamentally, the whole idea of what I'm calling the primacy of consciousness is that the mind is capable of creating an infinite number of fantasies, isn't it? So mm-hmm. you can, so whatever you think, that's why there's no cohesion among the left. The only cohesion is that they're not right. Everything's wrong because there's an infinite number of things that could be wrong. But the reality of existence presents us with a lot fewer <laughs> options. And if you don't know where to start, if you don't know which way you think, well, at least start with the evidence of the senses. And then whatever you think, make sure that that's what it coincides with, because that's a good way to, you know, verify or falsify a a report, a news report that you hear. (laughs) So this weekend, okay, for those people who were not following, there was a huge clash between some kids in MAGA hats and a Native American elder. Um, Let me ask you this, question of the day, does finding out what the full story is now, what's transparent, has it changed your opinion? For those of you who haven't been following, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of fill you in in a second. So for those who are following this this weekend, this is most likely all you saw. That kid didn't even know he was being filmed. <laughs> Now, some of this might seem nonsensical to some people watching, but if you were on Twitter or Instagram, basically everyone covered it this way. A group of kids oh. in MAGA hats surrounded Native American veterans, uh, a veteran specifically, yeah. taunted him with chance of build the wall until he cried. There was the outrage mob on a Twitter. A tear like he just saw pollution. Right, yeah. exactly. I saw a MAGA hat by the roadside. Also, my drum's out of beat. Um, <laughs> meth will do that. Uh, uh, so, I, this is a terrible start. Let me, okay, many on Twitter right away, they started with the outrage mob against the kids. Here's the thing, many conservatives actually took the side of Nathan Phillips, the yeah. Native American elder, without waiting for the full story. When I see this sort of thing, when I see this kind of a story, I think to myself, eh, sleep on it. Well, you, like every other person out there, should have... You should have learned by now that you can't just judge what the media gives you, right? Especially n- edited clips of videos. Well, Especially when it didn't show anything yeah, but, other than people standing there. Yeah, but the, yeah. The, the, the thing is, is that it's getting to the point where you have to think that with literally every story that's on the news. Yeah. Because I only saw this, I was watching the morning news on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, wow, 
there's a punk kid acting like a punk kid at, at a school field trip. <laughs> Everyone who would have seen uh, the first clip, that's what they would have thought. Here's what actually happened. I don't okay? even see the clip. I so didn't show the picture. What actually happened, let me kind of go point by point for, for people who haven't really been following. Uh, point one, the Native American elder actually was the one who initiated the confrontation, not the high school kids. Yeah. The kids yeah. were already there waiting for a bus doing a school chant. One activist group, uh, the black Israelites, you know, I've had my run-ins with them. Can't go to heaven, by the way, <laughs> because, were... because there's not enough melanin in my skin. That's what they told me. They were already taunting the wow. kids. Okay, no, Then there was a second out. group led by Nathan Phillips, Native American uh, guy. He approached them, got in their faces with the drums, and that's what brings you to what you're seeing here. There he is coming in. They come again. Yeah, a little confusing. Because usually when someone says, they come again, it's th that's that signals peaceful intent. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and it's that. not like they uh, they accosted the students or anything, but if somebody walked up to you at, at this location beating a drum and then got like in your face, well, what reaction would you have? I would have? just think they were hyped. Uh, point number two, that here, despite the initial <laughs> coverage, uh, the MAGA hat kids, they actually, ne they never chanted build the wall. No. This is really you important. Didn't do that at all. So Nathan Phillips, he claimed that the students taunted him and the media ran with this with quote, build the wall, well, don't take my word for it. I heard, I heard them saying, build that wall, build that wall. This is indigenous lands. First off, I cannot verify that that's true. I assume it's incorrect. Second, two hours of raw video has been released. At no point do the kids chant anything about the wall. We can't show you the full two hours here. You can see this a little. There have been tons and tons of videos. Uh, you can go look it up. Make America great. You can go look it up and watch for yourself. Yes, we will. And of course, as more evidence emerged, by the way, it became increasingly clear that Native Americans were just looking for a bar fight. By the way, <laughs> Maybe Nathan Phillips, something else that nobody covers. Nathan Phillips, not just some random Native American elder. He's a far-left activist who has a long-standing history of instigating yeah. confrontation and then claiming racial harassment. And I, by the way, okay, I know I'm about to voice a very unpopular opinion it's here okay. because no one dared say this, but I'm, everyone, and I mean everyone, has been acting as though this man is a wise sage and we should all admire him? <laughs> we always took care of our elders. We took care of our children. We always provided for them. Is it me? Because I, if the kids in the MAGA hats come across as douchey, granted, they come across as douchey, but we're all supposed to act like this guy isn't a toothless far-left activist instigator seemingly in an opium vision quest? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you have to light it from the bottom and oh use gosh. a torch lighter. None of that bick, said my aunt. R really? You take care of your own? You take care of your own Nathan Phillips? That's that's why that's a typical oh. Native American. Yeah, exactly. yes. It's like Mr. Miyagi, who is also yeah. traditionally named Patrick. Uh, <laughs> High Chief Pete <laughs> Jones. Yes. You take care. Of, is that why we see rampant unemployment and drug addiction in Native American communities? Is that why Native American high schoolers have two to possibly three times more opioid abuse than the rest of the population? They're not faring so well. No. We we used to take care of our elders. Have you been to a Native American reservation recently? Does it seem like they're thriving? Like it's the neighborhood that you want a visit to go look at Christmas lights. Not exactly, I would say. Yes, Gerald. It's the train wreck of socialism in progress right now. We get to look at it and go, what would socialism be like if we provided for everybody anything that they wanted? What would that look like? Look at the Native American reservations. We Horrible. take care of our elders. Here's the, the story <laughs> is reopened. Some, I can tell you guys don't want to go along with me on this. You guys are cowards. <laughs> Yeah.
there are valuable lessons, I think, to be learned here. So, and by the way, frankly, these are lessons that should have been learned a long time ago. Oh, yeah. So let's go. Yeah. Lesson number one, sleep on it. Just wait. I, I, this is especially true whenever there's a brand new like anti-Trump blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Right. Every Always give it 48 yeah. to 72 hours. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It never holds up. It seems like they're purposefully ruining people's reputations. You know, like in journalism, you're supposed to wait until you have some confirmation before you break a story, even right. if it's a huge breaking story that you want to get out there. And people are basically doing it for a few more likes or a few more shares. Or, or a few more like you know, well, things I on think, Facebook. Well, I think there's more to it like, than that, which we'll, we'll kind of get to in a, a second after the lessons. But I think you're right. Lesson number two, I think it's really important, by the way. Unlike the left, who defend their own at all costs, conservatives, it seems they're overly eager to cannibalize yeah. their own just to prove yeah. a point. Don't do that. Their attacks are working. They've done it so many times. Right. It makes us come out against our own people when they didn't even do anything wrong. Well, it's like this term compassionate. I'm a compassionate conservative. I say, well, well, hold on, what a second. What do, you, what do you mean? You mean that all of the other conservatives who believe in equality for all and freedom of opportunity and freedom across the board, they're not compassionate? What do you mean? Lesson three. I don't three, know what to do here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is something important to remember. You got your headphones going? We're yes. at war. Yeah. yeah. This is a lesson, by the way, Andrew Breitbart tried to teach us. The media tries to paint this. And I saw, I saw, I was watching, unfortunately, CNN on Sunday. I do it almost every Sunday because. Oh, why? I do it so that you don't have Thank to. You. you should be thanking me. I just But did. they try to say, you know, Trump tries to paint this as though it's Trump versus the media. It really is. Okay. And that's exactly what it is. And it's, yeah. well, it's not only the media versus Trump. It's the media versus anyone on the right. And by the way, it's always been this way. Yeah. But if you look at this with the, the, the MAGA hat kids, I guess is the story how it's being yeah. told. Are we supposed to believe that CNN didn't have the ability to find the full footage? <laughs> this is honestly because we just to We're do the basic research. The same media who tells us, by the way, they tell us that they're real journalists, and they go, "Well, it's we hate Donald Trump's attack on the press because true journalism, not some bloggers out there with fake news, we matter, <laughs> and we're the backbone of the American or of the American traditional institutions of truth." Really? So we're supposed to believe here that you? So there are only two options here. Okay, option number one: either CNN and the rest of the media are grossly incompetent. They didn't have access to the clips or couldn't be bothered to do basic research. By the way, the kind of basic right. research that we do on this, a comedy show, <laughs> or number two, they acted out of malice. They acted in malice in that they had access to the full footage and they ran the story as you saw it anyway. Probably number two based on the fact that CNN was still pushing the story the morning after it had already been debunked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would really go with number a th third option there, both. I think they're both incompetent yeah, and they likely. have malicious intent. They have a worldview and they're looking to push that worldview, period, no matter what evidence right. comes against them. Well, that was a refreshing <laughs> dose of sanity there. I love Stephen Carter, he's yeah. a hate. Absolutely great to hear some of the facts. And I thought it was funny, too, you know, incompetence and malice, because my sister, my sister Kathy said, yeah, they should be called a no-news network. <laughs> incompetence and malice all the time. Yeah. And, and there is an irony in the fact that a comedy bunch like them, yep. they see themselves as not even serious news, and yet they're more serious news than serious news. And because, and as he pointed out, because they researched it. They did more research, apparently, than CNN did into this story. Or, as they pointed out, is it that CNN already knew about it and didn't research or <laughs> had the research, but still pushed their narrative anyway? Yeah, and some great lessons that they took away from there, you know, like sleep on it, right? Yeah. Before you say something. That is one of the advantages, I have to say, that we naturally have on this show just right, because we're not right there on the front lines as it happens. And I do give a lot of leeway to reporters who are on the front lines just taking the facts in as they get them and, and then sorting them through as time goes yes. by. We don't have that luxury. In fact, 
that gives us an advantage that by the time we get to do the show, we're either doing it just right or we're we're getting it wrong right from the (laughs) beginning, and we shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Another interesting observation someone made that completely fits my experience ever since Donald Trump came on the scene. You have to give a 48 to 72 hour period yes. whenever an anti-Trump blockbuster comes yep. out, because by then it'll dissipate into a nothingness, yep. like the Russian... Yeah, I was just about to say, like Russia. Yeah, like, and that's not going to go away. That'll, that'll come up every 48 hours. But that's but been my experience. there's nothing to it still, right? And, I, and, and you still go up to people today because they have absorbed that first 48-hour period of the BS, and so they 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 start suffering from t- Trump derangement syndrome. And then when a person who knows what happens after the 48 hours comes back to them and says, well, why do you feel that way about Trump? They can't say. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, Trump derangement syndrome via osmosis. They just take it in and take it in and take it in and they don't know where it's coming from or why they feel that way. Exactly. And that shows you how the environment affects you yep. and, and, and it affects your programming. Interesting observation, how conservatives always cannibalize their own. They're so eager to look as virtuous as possible, and because they're always under constant attack for the littlest things, that they have to make sure they're perfect. And by doing so, they tend to throw their own under the bus if there's any hint that there's an impropriety. Yeah, we saw that here in Ontario with Patrick Brown. when He was a leader of the progressive conservatives, and somebody made a false accusation against him about sexual impropriety. But if you're on the left, you can have a Bill Clinton, you know, and there's no problems with that because that doesn't matter. That's true. And and then the whole idea of of conservatives wanting to be seen as compassionate. Yep. Well, the left has been very, very good at controlling the narrative and casting conservatives in such a light that they feel that they have to qualify everything by saying, oh, I'm not a conservative because that means I'm cold, because that's the the common way of knowing it. So they have to say, no, I'm going to qualify that with compassionate, you know, and, and that's the left is very, very, very successful in that kind of casting. Well, what gives them their success is the right giving it to them. Yep. Right. And, and they see ground way too easily. By the way, that's one of the reasons that we say at the beginning of the show, not right wing, just right, because we reject that idea of uh, playing the right card, quote unquote, just to be seen virtuous. That's not what we're doing here. To me, being right means being accurate, being factual, being in accordance with reality. That's what we mean by right. That's why there's no wing attached to it. The biggest point I think they brought up was the media is waging a war. And that is absolutely true. And I think that's the thing that we have to realize, that you can't trust the media anymore. You can't. You have to do your own research. double check, triple check sites, um, find the find the people that you can trust, the ones that when they make a mistake, will admit that they made a mistake. So you know that they're, they're the ones that are on the side of truth. And that's what you have to find. Crowder just ended there with a bunch of lessons to be taken away from this. Were there any you wanted to add? Because I got a few of my own. No, I think well, you pretty you much might... summed it up, but I'm pretty sure I probably agree with yours too. So. Well, <laughs> it, might, it might remind you of something else, but, but I did like their first one, you know, basically never, never trust the so-called mainstream media. You can't do that. The other lesson to be taken away is you have to have context. No single event, no sentence said can be just taken at face value. Or no picture. Yeah, or no single picture. A picture may tell a thousand words, words, but it might be the wrong thousand words. Exactly. Now, the other thing, too, that hasn't been said is this whole idea of being white, I'm sorry. It's not about being white. 
every time I've gone into this in detail, what it turns out is that to the left, white represents Western civilization. Yep. And, and not a particular race per se. You know, a, a black person is accused of being a white racist yep. if he thinks anything positive in terms of Western civilization. White is a state of mind. Yes. So the left is not only opposed to Western civilization, but we have to understand, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, it's opposed to civilization, period, yep. in general. No society based on a primacy of consciousness has ever been a civilized one. They might have order in that society under the force of a gun, but that's not civilization. And civilization, of course, refers to the prohibition of the use of force, the aggressive use of force. That's what we mean when we say someone's civilized. That person's, behave, that person's uncivilized. What do we mean? We mean that he's punching people, that he's shouting at them, that he's not able to control himself in a way that civilized people would restrain themselves from using force. Yeah, and how we civilize our children, we tell them to use their words, not their fists. Yeah, and we might say something like, you know, and we'll agree to disagree. Yeah. Well, you're not agreeing to disagree. You disagree. What you're agreeing to do is not punch each other in the face when you disagree. Yeah. That's what that statement means, and that means you're being civilized, that you're not going to take it any further. You know that there's nothing to be gained from this conversation anymore. So we agree to disagree. We go our own ways. What you're really disagreeing or agreeing to is that we don't believe in force and that we have a right to our own opinion and that we have a right to disagree in a free society. Whatever happened to that notion? This new left does not believe in having the right to disagree. Is it a new left or is this just the left showing its true colors? Thank you. You took it to my next point. That's exactly what it is. Now... Just another point, too, on this whole primacy of consciousness. Uh, you know, it is the road to mental illness and dysfunction. Because when the things you do and believe do not match with reality or reason, you will suffer a mental breakdown. And we've seen demonstrations of this online. But it's nothing new. And I've cited this before on the show. During the rise of fascism in Nazi Germany, uh, Willem Reich referred to the phenomenon as the emotional plague. And it gripped Germans to an incredible degree. If there was a social media of the time, we would be seeing in history then what we're seeing today. People were rejecting science, rejecting reason, protesting in the streets against anything that was reasonable. And it was the left versus the left, which made it even worse, right? Mm. You had communists fighting fascists. Well, I guess that's it for this week, Danielle. And uh, anything else you want to wrap up with? That's about it. That's about it, Dad. (laughs) Well, as our time winds down for this round, we are hoping that despite the tastelessness and offensiveness of our comedy closer today, you will still join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Cheers. Fade into color Color it to black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright I don't blame the kid, the smirking kid I blame lead poisoning <laughs> And bad parenting And oh yeah, I blame that f***ing kid What a little crap Smirk face Smirk face says Please Like that's not a dick move at any age Stick your face in this elderly man's 
And this smirking kid says he was just trying to diffuse the situation by, really? You know what? Next time you get into a fight with your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, uh, try that. Try, <laughs> try getting two inches from their face with a shit-eating grin and see if it diffuses the situation. <laughs> yes? He asked me, this kid should have done what everyone does during a drum solo. Leave. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time, I must tell you, around Catholic school children. <laughs> but I do not get what Catholic priests see in these kids. 